Grace, mercy, and peace be upon you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It was, it was a beautiful garden. It was filled with, with lush flora. It was sweet scents on the morning air. The stir of life was all around. And this garden, this garden was a gift. It was a gift to, to be treasured and to be enjoyed. It was a gift from a parent to a child. This garden was a, was a place of great freedom, a place to roam around in safety and security, to admire and enjoy the beauty around them. You see, this garden, this garden was formed in love. And all of those who inhabited this garden lived without a care or a concern, without a worry or a sorrow. And at the center of this garden, at the center of this garden was a decision, a decision that in many ways was quite simple. Which way should I go? This way or that way? His way or my way? You know, the question, which way should I go, is a question that I believe is a constant in the lives of humans. It's found in really simple decisions like, which shade of blue should we paint the kitchen? This light hue or this dark hue? Or a decision like, which pen color, blue or black? But the, the which way should I go question is also, I think, found in, in much weightier subjects like, what university should I attend? The one that's more expensive and has a better program? Or the one that's less expensive and is a little bit lower in status? Which way should we go? Two? or three, or five kids? These are, no doubt, really important questions and decisions, especially if you ask me when it comes to pen color. But truthfully, truthfully, the which way should I go question, I think, has much deeper implications because it is, after all, a question that has been around since the beginning. It was a question that must be wrestled with and answered by anyone who's going to live in God's economy. The question, my way or his way? You know, from the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus had been proclaiming the kingdom of God. His first sermon is short, but it's very to the point. He preaches, the time has come, he says. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. In fact, Mark tells us that this is the good news. The good news is that God's kingdom, 
His rule and his reign is present and it is active. It has arrived on earth. It is literally touchable by outstretched hands. And this good news of God's rule and reign on earth, it sparks a question. Which way should I go? My way or his way? Now, Jesus' call to those who are listening is to repent, to turn from their own way and walk in his way, to walk in the way of of good news. Now, in earnest, Jesus isn't really preaching anything new. This is the, the clarion call of Psalm number one. The psalmist writes, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but rather, blessed are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on that law day and night. In other words, blessed is the one who walks in God's way and not his own way. And all of this, this question of which way should I go, all of this began in a garden. It was a beautiful garden. It was filled with lush flora and sweet scents in the morning air. The stir of life was all around. And that garden, the garden was a gift, a gift to be treasured and enjoyed. It was a gift from a parent to his children. This garden was a place of great freedom, a place to roam in safety and security, to admire and to enjoy the beauty that was around them. And this garden was formed in love. And those who inhabited this garden lived without a care or a concern, without a worry or a sorrow. And at the center of this garden was a decision, a decision that in many ways was quite simple. Which way should I go? This way or that way? His way or my way? Genesis 3 records this. When Eve saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and, and that it was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Another way to say this is when faced with the decision, his way or my way, Eve and her husband Adam chose poorly. And so when Jesus begins his ministry proclaiming God's rule and reign on earth and that this is good news, he again calls us to a decision, his way or my way. Jesus spends the entirety of the gospel teaching about the kingdom. From its very beginning, it seems upside down, this kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he would say. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness. Those who want to be first, he says. 
must be last. Those who want power must embrace weakness. And those who think they're in are out. And those who are out, they're in. You know, those who think that they have all the knowledge must embrace life like a child. And those who are humble, he says, will be lifted up. And those who are proud will be knocked down. Those who want to be great, he says, must embrace being a servant. This is the way of the kingdom. This is his way. From the very beginning, Jesus has been teaching about God's kingdom. And yet Jesus also makes clear that he, he is the way. In other words, if you want to know what it looks like to live out the kingdom of God, if you want to know what it looks like to live in God's way, then you look to Jesus, who is, as the writer to the Hebrews says, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And nowhere can this be seen more clearly than in the events of Holy Week. Now, the the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday get most of the Holy Week attention. And rightly so, rightly so. But, But the events, the events of Monday Thursday, these last few hours before the inevitable, these last few hours shared with the disciples, these last few hours are rife with decisions. Which way should I go? This way or that way? His way or my way? Tonight, as we've walked through this service together, we have been living the events of that fateful evening. A foot washing, a meal, and a prayer. Jesus takes the role of a servant, stooping, of course, to the lowest of lows, to a position left for servants only. And as Jesus washes the worn, calloused, and dirty feet of the disciples, he shows them the posture of God's kingdom. I mean, Jesus could have left the foot washing to someone else, to a servant of the house. He could have sat in sort of pompous glory, but that is not the way of God's kingdom. He chooses and foreshadows God's way. He is an obedient servant, willing to stoop to the lowest of lows in order to serve others. And Jesus says, now that I your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet. You also, you also should wash one another's feet. And so the disciples are now faced with a decision. Wash or don't wash. This way or that way. God's way or my way. Jesus also served as host to a meal that was regularly celebrated by Jewish people. 
The Passover was an opportunity to reflect on God's rescue out of Israel, out of Egypt from that captivity. It was an opportunity to see God's redeeming action in the story of Israel. Jesus was hosting, and as the host was ushering the disciples through the familiar story of Old Testament promises and plagues. And as host, Jesus was leading them back through their own history. But this night, Jesus would redefine God's redeeming action, drawing on the image of a people sprinkled with blood as a mark of the covenant, drawing on the image of blood-soaked door frames, a mark of, of Israel's selection and safety. Not only is he hosting the party, but Jesus is providing himself as the mark of the covenant of one whose own shed blood would not only mark his people, but when ingested, would fuel them for life in the kingdom. Now friends, make no mistake, Jesus led them to a decision. Which way should they go? This way or that way? His way or my way? You see, the law, the law forbade the drinking of blood. Here's what it says in the book of Leviticus. Any Israelite or foreigner residing among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must first drain all of the blood out of it and cover the earth because the life of every creature is in its blood. That is why, listen, that is why I have said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is any in its blood. Anyone, listen, anyone who eats or drinks this blood must be cut off. So the disciples, knowing the law, have a decision to make. Which way do we go? This way? or that way, his way, or my way. You know, our experience is not that far removed, I don't think, from the disciples. Each and every day, we have this same decision to make, our way or his way. Are we going to live life under his rule and reign, living in obedience to the one true king? Will we take on the role of a servant, the least of these? Will we live with humility and faith like a child? Will we admit our weakness and trust to live in his strength? Will we, will we die to ourselves? to our preconceived notions of God's work? Will we die to the supremacy of our own reason? Will we die to our past defining our future? Will we die to individual autonomy and our need for position and power? The question is, will we be obedient even unto death? His way? Or our way? We should just be honest that when faced with the choice, we often choose our way. 
And in so doing, it's left us broken and without hope. Shortly after the meal, Matthew tells us that Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, to a garden. And he said to them, sit here in this garden while I go over there and pray. In many ways, it was a beautiful garden filled with lush flora and the sweet scent of olives on the morning air, the stir of life all around. This garden, this garden of Gethsemane, it was a gift, a gift to be treasured and enjoyed. And at the center of this garden was a decision, a decision that in many ways was quite simple. Which way should I go? This way? or that way, his way, or my way. And on this night, those who inhabited this garden lived with great worry and sorrow. Matthew tells us that Jesus took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Overwhelmed to the point of death. And so stay here and keep watch with me. As Jesus, his physical suffering fast approaches, His emotional and mental suffering are to the point of barely controllable. You can hear the passion in his voice as he admits his sorrow, begging his disciples that those he had spent years investing in, beginning, that they would sit and watch and pray. And what does Jesus do in these last moments? Last moments before the inevitable. What does Jesus do? Jesus Praise And what does Jesus pray? He says, if it is possible, may this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet not, not as I will, but as you will. Imagine Jesus' sadness returning to find those he had just begged to keep watch, sleeping. And so Jesus, he returns to prayer, and what does he pray? My Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, then may your will be done. And again, Jesus returns to find his disciples sleeping, falling prey to their own wants and their desires rather than his. And so Jesus returns to prayer a third time, praying, as Matthew tells us, the same thing, not my way, but your way. See, here in this garden is a decision. Which way should I go? This way or that way? My way his way. In Eden, Adam and Eve chose my way, 
rather than his way. But in this garden, Jesus prayed, your way, your way be done, not my way. Here in this garden is a passionate obedience, choosing to walk in God's way. Though the way included a valley of the shadow of death, though this way included suffering, though this way would include a cross, Jesus chooses to die well, to die to his own way for the sake of his Father's way. And this willingness, this willingness to go the Father's way continues as Judas and a horde of thugs come to arrest Jesus. And in the heat of that moment, one of the disciples draws a sword and he cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. And Jesus essentially says to him, that is not my way. This kingdom, this way is not about force, but about willingness. Not about brute strength, but about surrender. This is about going God's way. Jesus says, do you think that I I can't call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then, how then will the scriptures be fulfilled? Jesus is basically saying, listen, you're not taking me, but I'm willingly giving myself to this way of suffering so that people, so that you and me, we might experience life, full life, and eternal life. Here in a garden is a decision. And Jesus chooses the way of passion, of suffering and obedience for you and for me. Here in a garden is a decision, my way or his way. And the disciples, those who had followed Jesus for three years, seen all that he had done, been a part of the mission and the ministry of God's kingdom on earth, those disciples had a decision, his way or my way. And what do they choose moments after Jesus' prayer? Matthew tells us, then all of the disciples deserted him and fled. Even now, the disciples choose their way. Jesus will walk out his suffering his passion, all alone. And yet, and yet he still chooses the Father's way. Why? For you and for me. So sisters and brothers, let us stand together and let us pray. Pray those words that Jesus has taught us. Let's stand. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.